When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me for the first time ever because he just moved here to cover the Minnesota Vikings, Alec Lewis of The Athletic taking Chad Graff's position. And Alec, I have to tell you, it's big shoes to fill. I mean, the writing was fine from Chad, but more so Chad was the legend of awkward moments around the locker room and in the media room. So these are big shoes to fill because it's been so much less awkward since you showed up. I can be awkward. Trust me. We, we can make that happen as quick as we want. And I, I, I thought, I mean, yesterday, obviously, and we've talked about this, but I thought there were, there were going to be seven awkward moments. I'm asking dumb questions. I'm runner. No, but it was, it was a good time. And it is, it, it, they are big shoes to fill. I mean, Chad tweeted yesterday, I think after seeing what Justin Jefferson did in the first half, that there wasn't a, a Patriots receiver that I think had recorded more than like 55 yards in the whole game. He's like, what am I doing? I, I, I Chad, uh, I've got a lot of respect for not only having to now deal with Bill Belichick, but obviously what he did here. And he's been, honestly, couldn't have been better and, and more helpful. And so on a serious note, it, it's uh, I'm appreciative of kind of the help he's provided and um the experience that he had on the show before me. Well, you and I, uh, speaking of experience, and, and yes, everyone knows on the show how much uh, we, we appreciated Chad and love Chad here. Um, but it is hilarious that he went to, after watching the Vikings destroy Matt Patricia many times, went to cover a team that decided to put Matt Patricia at offensive coordinator. And I'm shocked that it didn't work out. I just can't believe it. Uh, Belichick is finally like out galaxy brained himself thinking that he could have no offensive coordinator or kind of the biggest joker um, doing it in Matt Patricia. And um, I'm just not surprised that it did not work out. But uh, I I am interested, though, to hear about your experience. Then we could get into the game and talk about the team and what it means going forward, because you and I have had something similar, which is we moved to cover the team right before the season started, which is like getting in a car accident. It's like you're looking around. (laughs) Who's there? What happened? I don't know what's going on. Uh, I remember, I mean, even like the first game I covered, I was like, Eric Kendricks, is it a C or is it a K? Like, E-R-I, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know anything about the players. And then you're asked to start actually doing reports and putting stuff out without the benefit of seeing all of training camp and then thrown into the NFL locker room experience, which is uh, very different from what you did before in covering the Kansas City Royals. Yeah, it was uh... – it was a whirlwind. It's been a whirlwind. I mean, you said it. I, I literally moved here two weeks ago to Minneapolis. So I, I came up on an off week like a month ago, found an apartment, made that happen, got up here two weeks ago. And fortunately, um, with how good of a job guys like you do and Arif and, and a lot of people around here, I was able probably for a month, if not more, to 
to read um, you guys' work and then kind of listen to podcasts. And I was doing as much as I could while also trying to cover a Major League Baseball team to kind of understand the dynamics of uh, the history here, which I, I, I it's still just a, a major learning curve. But I got up here. For, I'm fortunate my editor threw me in the fire the first week. It was like, yeah, go write two stories from interviews. So I, I was – um, I think a couple times I was like in the Royals should have uh, Ezra Cleveland that left uh, the Vikings, excuse me. Um, that, But it, 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 it was a learning curve kind of that first week. And then obviously in the lead up to the game, trying to just get the mechanics of injury reports and all uh, how that all works. And then obviously I told you this, but I, I did not sleep much before Sunday's game. I was kind of jacked up and just ready to go and nervous probably as well. And then, the environment was unbelievable. Um, the skull chant, hard to even comp. I felt like I was out of body. Something was, uh, it was, it was crazy. And then the game, obviously, and the new look offense, and trying to assess what was going on. And the locker room afterward, where afterward, there's people everywhere, cameras everywhere. It was crazy. But it, it was, it's. Uh, I, I'm really a, like grateful for the opportunity. Um, it's. It, it will probably take me some more time to really get my footing, but. It's it's a lot of um, I've met a lot of really good people and and I can't thank really everybody enough for how like welcoming they've been. So as as hectic as as it has been, it's been really fun and I'm just pumped for um, these next few weeks. Well, I was lucky enough to get a lot of help in my first year um, from uh, people like Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, who comes on the show all the time because. You think you know football, and then you start covering it, and you're like, oh, okay, there's a lot going on here. And uh, the experience of covering a game is when you're on your couch watching on TV, and you've seen the 13th ad in a row for Rescue 911 or whatever, you're like, man, this game's taking forever. But when you're covering it in the stadium, and you're trying to take all these notes and mental notes and watch for all these details – it's actually going a lot faster. And, and, I, and that's, that's been, and even like timing out, like when am I going to go grab a drink or go to the bathroom or whatever else? Cause I don't want to miss anything. And what's going to matter here. What am I going to ask them about? What am I going to write about? Like it's, it's a lot quicker than that. And then, as you said, you walk into that locker room and there's so many people that it's like, uh, who do I go talk to? Because <laughs> you got a lot of options, and uh, you know the, the like you said, the TV cameras are everywhere on game day. So it's it's really an overwhelming experience, and you're not the only one that's like exhausted after game day. It's not baseball moves at a different pace, um, you know, because I I did uh, minor league baseball when I was first starting out in the industry, and it's like everybody kind of meanders around for uh, batting practice. You talk to some people and so forth. The GM is just like available to talk to <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It's, it's very, it's very different. Um, but I, I was curious about like your thoughts on just the Vikings Packers part of it specifically, because to everyone here, that is a massive deal. Like the state uh, is in euphoria this morning. Now that the Vikings have beaten the Packers. And you could feel it. I mean, really, like I walked around yesterday morning um, just downtown Minneapolis, like around where I lived. And like you, you saw people with Jersey. But I you, I mean, the weather was great. The environment just it felt like a football like day. That's how, that's the only way I know how to really describe it. And then like walking in, I mean, I, I you see as many people outside the stadiums and jerseys and stuff and, and get inside and then. Uh, it, it was just unbelievable. The atmosphere was amazing. And, and you said it, but like I come from Kansas City where I covered the Royals for three plus years. And I, I've 
attended a lot of Chiefs games, not in the 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 media coverage seat. Um, and so that and that environment is crazy. But I, I was I was blown away by so many elements, um, be it just like how incredible U.S. Bank is, the natural light that flows in. Um, and, and to your point, I was trying to just like take it all in, but I kind of felt like, like a I, the only way it's like a quarterback in the pocket, stuff's like flying at you everywhere. You're trying to stay focused. Like that's how the game was for me. And it, and it is, you said it way different than just watching a game on the couch and it's hard probably for anybody to really understand that it was hard for me, I think, to even think about that until I'm in the seat and I'm trying to dissect, um, coverages and that type of thing. But the rivalry I mean, I, I could just tell talking to people around town and just watching kind of, I don't know, how people interacted and, and talked about the game. It, you could feel it, and it was amazing to be a part of. Yeah, and I think that it will take a while before you get used to that. And uh, don't feel bad first. We get snacks. So that's always, uh, <laughs> yeah, always yeah. helps to stay fueled up there during the game. But uh, I remember Courtney Cronin, her first year, was when they went 13 and three, they lost Sam Bradford, Case Keenum came in, Minneapolis Miracle, and it was just like, wow, like the world is is uh, spinning off its axis here. So it's a really like, remember these times because you'll get uh, a little more grizzled as as you go along, but uh, it's, it's a super fun time for you. And one of the articles that you did when you first got here was really looking at Kevin O'Connell's background. And I feel like that's a great place to discuss what happened on Sunday is because- <laughs> Like to me, the number one story of Sunday wasn't just that Packers, uh, you know, struggled and Rodgers looked washed and Sammy Watkins looked super washed and they've got some problems to solve over there. It was really that it all happened the way that they dreamed it would happen. And Kevin O'Connell sort of like to to uh, channel Denny Green. I assume, you know, this one like he yeah. was who we thought he was. At yeah. least for one day. That doesn't mean forever, but for one day, he was who he thought he was, and there's really no indication that he's going to be anybody else than what we've seen from the offensive innovator to the guy who takes a more teaching approach to the guy who's trying to create a, a culture that is going to be you know, a difference maker and, and have it matter. Um, so I, I wonder what you found when you looked into his background about what kind of led him here to this place. Yeah, and I came in, obviously, to the job, and I, I, I obviously knew first-year head coach and GM, so I was fascinated by, like, how, how did this guy who 10 years ago was calling games for San Diego State football on the radio become an NFL head coach, and how did he – what intrigued Sean McVay about it? And I think really the, the my takeaway from talking to Mark Sanchez and Matt Castle and a bunch of these guys was – He's just very calculated, and he and he's very um, cerebral in terms of like he he's not going to really leave any tone on stern uh, stone unturned in his thought process. Like he he's going to think things out. I mean, I think it speaks everything from their the way they treated the preseason and not playing the starters and and how healthy they entered week one. I mean, I think that that was a purposeful approach for him. I think attacking on offense and trying to find ways to get Justin Jefferson the ball from all different spots. I mean, that that is it, it part of the thought process. And so I think um, it felt like talking to people about Kevin O'Connell, he, he was going to uh, – things were going to be planned out and, and things are going to be pretty structured. And, and obviously that first drive offensively, um, I think it, with, with how things developed, it was kind of how – 
the people who have known Kevin O'Connell for a long time, I think would have ex- would have talked about what they would have expected because it was just very, I mean, right plays at right times. Um, obviously, guys like Justin Jefferson in space, and so I, I, I think through that that process, I remember Mark Sanchez said a quote like he, he Kevin O'Connell just loves the game within the game, and, and I think like he thinks about things from from as as minute as coverages and how the Packers are going to approach things. And it, it just felt like you saw that from the get-go, which I think was encouraging for um, obviously the people close to Kevin, but also Vikings fans. What's interesting to me from Kevin O'Connell is the natural comparisons that you have to make to Mike Zimmer, which you did not cover Mike Zimmer. It was a privilege. Uh, and I mean that sarcastically and seriously at the same time, um, <laughs> because it was a privilege to cover someone who was so intelligent about football that I could learn See, I think that this is something that you're going to have to do more yourself as a reporter is that Kevin O'Connell is not teaching us about football. Mike Zimmer really was. I mean, he seemed to be like offended by the idea that we wouldn't know something with a player. So he needed to tell us, which got him in trouble at times. But we always knew it was going on. Kevin is much more calculated about how he handles uh, things at the podium. Even at one point, he was going to say who had the most votes for captain. And then he was like, no, I'm actually not going to cut himself off. Yeah. 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 It was just like, okay, so he's, he's much more of that way and he's not going to break down strengths and weaknesses of his players and things like that. Like Mike Zimmer would. Um, But I, I do think that what I get the impression of Kevin O'Connell is that when they went looking for a head coach, they went looking for someone who would listen to other people. And one of the issues that Mike Zimmer had was his stubbornness and kind of his, his belief that he knew best and everybody else needed to just do what he said and, and had no voice. And I think that at times that was probably right, like him calling the, the plays on defense worked out great for the most part. But I also think that that shortened his time maybe a little bit here and frustrated a lot of people that they just didn't feel like they were allowed to be in command. So I wonder what you think about it from that perspective of O'Connell making it being, you know, uh, calculated, but also making it the collaborative effort that they all talked about wanting when he was hired. Yeah, no doubt. And, and Josh McCown, who I talked to for that story, I remember he, he, he told me like the first time I met Kevin, I came in, um, I was a free agent thinking about signing with the Cleveland Browns. Kevin O'Connell had just been hired as the Cleveland Browns quarterback coach. And I think Josh McCown, who was older than Kevin at the time, was like, what does this young guy know? I want to sign somewhere where I can get better. And it wasn't like Kevin, Kevin got on the whiteboard and started drawing things up, and it impressed Josh. But But even more so throughout time, I think Kevin's ability to be like, okay, this is what I think in, in terms of offense, but – also, like Josh, what what works for you? Like, what do you think about it? How, how do you what 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 do you like about the favorite coordinators that you've worked with? And I think that collaboration, uh, and Josh McCown said, it was like that impressed me that a guy that young with the ideas that he had would also be as willing to learn as he was. And 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 the other thing I think is is notable is is Kevin O'Connell spent time allow, around so many different types of. NFL players as a backup quarterback. I mean, it was obviously in the quarterback room with Tom Brady when he got drafted uh, with the New England Patriots. But then, I guess six years later, he's like in a in a classroom in San Diego trying to help Johnny Manziel learn about defensive schemes. So it's like way different types of personalities. And um, I think he's been since he obviously got this role here in Minnesota. He's been very. Um, I, 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 to use the word again, calculated in terms of he wants 
it to be kind of a player's own type of, of, of locker room. I mean, he has like a group of players, um, leaders that, that he speaks with, I think on a weekly basis to try to get the vibe of the room. And I, I think something that he probably took from the Rams, uh, but the, the collaboration is there. And I think it's going to continue to be really important, um, especially with Kirk Cousins at quarterback. I mean, Kirk talked about it, it was like their first real run through in terms of Kevin as a play caller and, and how Kirk kind of, um, fed off that. And I, I think that's going to be an ongoing thing. It's not going to look perfect all the time, especially I think early in the season. So how that develops, I think is going to be fascinating to, to listen to from both those guys and how they discuss it. Folks, football season is here and you need more gear to represent Minnesota football. Adam Thielen, Randy Moss, John Randall, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant, all great designs from Soda Stick that you can put on hoodies, hats, t-shirts. Go to SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER to get 15% off your purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And it went so well that we did overlook any shortcomings of anything on the team yesterday, which is exactly how football works all the time. It is like, well, the right guard got a 30 pro football focus grade yesterday. And, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins was shockingly good under pressure, which is probably going to regress. But we, we won't be that guy um, today because I, I think that the bigger, broader strokes were that you found what you were looking for, at least for now. And everything has to be couched that way because they could lose by 40 next week and then we'll all call them the biggest dummy. But in general, if you were betting on that, you would not say that that's going to happen. That I think when the biggest moments come, having players take ownership over it and uh, you know feel like they're a part of that process probably does matter. It's like, they, I don't think that this stuff was decided on a total random. And he just decided like, oh yeah, you know what coaches should do? They should be like cool with their players now. I think that it's, <laughs> I think that it's a little more scientific than that of making a, a decision to have someone like Kevin O'Connell. And boy, nobody was happier to talk about it than Kirk Cousins. The first time I have ever seen Kirk Cousins talk about his coach that way basically when it came to press conferences, Kirk Cousins and Mike Zimmer did not exist to each other. And if you asked Mike Zimmer about Kirk Cousins, he'd be like, yeah, you know, play good. Missed that one read though, but like it was fine. And with Kirk, you know, we just didn't even ever really discuss the head coach. It was much more the offensive coordinator because you knew that a, their relationship uh, was either non-existent or not great. Um, But B it was like, Mike Zimmer really didn't have anything to do with Kirk Cousins. It was entirely, hey, Gary Kubiak, you go handle it. And uh, I thought it was telling that Kirk kind of really wanted us to know that he was very happy with the way that Kevin O'Connell has set things up. Now, I guess my question to you then is, do you think this will all matter? Because I tend to think the answer is yes, but I also think like, let's not be too much prisoner of the moment here because 
it's not like Kirk Cousins has never played a great football game before. He's played a lot of great football games since he got here. Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to come off as too naive or ignorant. I know some of the history when I've listened to, to you discuss it. or re- so, But, but I, I, I do think it matters, and I, I think it's going to matter going forward. Because, I, I mean, I don't know. I think in any – and maybe, again, maybe it's naive. But I think in any line of work, I mean, if you're able to kind of challenge the people, the, the leaders, if they're able to communicate with you, and, and that, that line goes both ways to push each other to – to be the optimal result that you're seeking, I, I think it's, I think it's a benefit. Now, look, yeah, I don't think defenses are going to struggle to to locate Justin Jefferson to realize that he was on the field as much as the Packers did. Uh, I don't think teams are going to leave their best corner away from Justin Jefferson if they can help it uh, moving forward the way the Packers did. But um, no, I, and and I thought it was interesting. Like even before the game yesterday, I was just very in tune just to observe what was going on. And, and like, obviously, these teams run through their offenses pregame, prep prep the whole thing. But you could see Kevin Con- Kevin O'Connell after every, like, sim play that, that Kirk Cousins ran out on the field, like 30 minutes before the game, Kevin O'Connell was talking to him about it. They were going – there was, like, an active communication after each rep before the game in a way that I, I, I just thought that was notable. And maybe it happens all the time, everywhere, what have you. But it, it looked like they were in lockstep in a way that I think for Kirk to have the season that that he needs to have for the Vikings to be as good as fancier want them to be, I think it's going to be important that that, that continues. No, I, I agree. And, and it was not something that we saw here, of course, with the head coach. Uh, I think it is common around the league. I mean, that's what you want to see is that the head coach and the quarterback really in lockstep together and discussing what needs to happen and, and everything else uh, just for the next sequence. And I think that one area where it might help a little bit is when the coach has the quarterbacks back, it just gives power to everything the quarterback says and wants, right? Where it's like, you just, you just set the tone. And I'm trying to think of like a babysitting example or something. Like if you're, if your babysitter doesn't like one kid, or if your teacher in second grade doesn't like one kid, the rest of the students will just sort of will, will like turn on that kid or not, or not take that kid seriously. If the teacher is like kind of, you know, whatever, like making fun of him or whatever it might be. Right. Or going after him all the time. Well, the other kids are going to kind of look at it that way too. Now I'd like to think that everyone's more adult than that, but it is pro sports. So not always. Um, (laughs) I I think that if it's like very clear that the coach is on the same side as the quarterback, it's everybody else has to fall in line. And that was the case for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, Tom Brady is clearly better at football than Kirk Cousins by kind of a lot throughout his career, but no one ever questioned who was in charge. And I, and I think if we're looking for ways that it can matter, that is definitely a way. Now, from other things that happen, you mentioned one of the most shocking things, and I'm trying to find the numbers on this for uh, the matchup, but Jair Alexander not matching up with Justin Jefferson was completely stunning, and I don't understand it at all. In fact... None of Jefferson's targets went well. He was being covered by Jair Alexander. Such a strange strategy for the Green Bay Packers yesterday. And when we talk about things that probably will change in the future, I don't see Philadelphia saying Darius, hey, Darius Slay, go sit in the stands and watch all your friends get toasted. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. And I, you know, I do think, and it was interesting because I was reading Matt Schneiman who writes for the Packers for us at the Athletic, and I was, re- and I think it's, 
it's not as simple as like I I I really want to make it out to be that just like Jairus Alexander like the Packers just because I think um, their defense is is so zone based that that to have Jairus Alexander man Justin Jefferson in motion all across like I think it affects a lot of facets um, and someone who understands the game at a level that I just don't at the moment would probably be able to explain that uh, on a deeper level. So I think the utilization of motion that, that Kevin O'Connell did and the offense did yesterday and, and having, I mean, there were times where Alexander Madison's out wide, Dalvin Cook's out wide, Johnny Munt, uh, the Munt game, as I uh, almost termed the headline yesterday. I mean, he was all over the place. They, they were doing so many things that I think to just say Jair Alexander, man, Justin Jefferson, the entire time moving all across the field affects the coverage of every other uh, DB on the field. I think it's it's a little more complex than that. But to the initial point, you have a guy who's paid a lot of money to play cornerback in this league for reasons that, that I mean, even Vikings fans and Justin Jefferson has seen in the past uh, who wasn't on him uh, for – a lot of that game and so it is curious for sure as Justin's running these deep overs after one after another wide open it was it was wild I went with establish the munt is what I, <laughs> that's pretty good like, that's pretty good what, once they got the munt established everything just fell into to place after that uh just to, to look at you know how uh, Jefferson was matched up He faced uh, Quay Walker once, Preston Smith once. You probably noticed them. Rasul Douglas twice, Eric Stokes once, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos uh, on five different targets. So they really were able to go after the safeties and set up those mismatches. And I I just think that, it's again, not the first time ever the Vikings have out-schemed a team. But this, this really reminded me of Kevin Stefanski, where it just seemed like one step ahead. Like they had a full understanding of what the Packers defense was going to do and made it their goal to just get Justin Jefferson away from the best player on the other team. And I mean, I think you're exactly right that it's very easy to say, well, just have him like do the thing. That's what teams <laughs> yeah. do. However, where I, where I would push back on, on like the X's and O's, the like, Oh, you don't understand the zone defense. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But how many days did you have to get ready for this game? Oh, I know <laughs> between Kevin O'Connell's hire and he was clearly going to bring the Rams offense. And yesterday it was 207 days. You had 207 <laughs> days to get Jair Alexander ready to cover Justin Jefferson and you didn't do it. And the Vikings took full advantage. Um, so I, I just, I, I think we can be mind blown about not only like how bad that was for them, but also be impressed with how good it was for the Vikings to have that tact where we are not going to let Jair Alexander slow down our guy. And Matt LaFleur essentially said after the game, he was like, yeah, they, they out-schemed us and they, they found Justin Jefferson. <laughs> like it, was, it was like a pretty blunt quote from Matt LaFleur of like, yeah, they just kind of figured it out. And I actually – I think it's important to kind of note this too. Um, Wes Phillips, who had obviously been with Kevin O'Connell on the Rams staff, coached from up in the booth and, and has that perspective. And, and they have familiarity working with each other in-game, making in-game, in-game adjustments, Kevin O'Connell and – and West Phillips, and I think that matters. Like to have a guy you can trust from up top observing coverage. I, I really think that it's it's a minor, probably little detail of it, but but that trust it, I think is so important, especially without the the experience that this offense had. So just an element of it that I I, I thought about. Like they're continuously 
moving guys around and finding Justin Jefferson. And I think that they, it, it was a collective effort. Now the question is how soon is too soon in the following week to move on to the next game? Um, because we're uh, recording this on Monday and uh, the game is a whole week from now. And yet I still want to kind of push everything forward to like what things can they carry over and what things are maybe not as easy to carry over. I mean, I, I mentioned the Kirk Cousins pressure numbers were good. I don't expect that to happen all the time. And of course, they're going to have Darius Slay uh, covering Justin Jefferson one-on-one. That is pretty much a guarantee. And he used to get annihilated by Stephon Diggs. So that will be kind of a another thing where it's like Darius Slay versus the Vikings top wide receiver will be a huge matchup. But I also think the offensive line of the Vikings versus the defensive line of the Eagles is going to be fascinating. And I walked out of there feeling like the Vikings offensive line had really just done its job. And that at this point is an incredible compliment to the Vikings offensive line. Now PFF was not super impressed. They had them 22nd for an overall grade. So is it, uh, is our perception right that they did a good enough job and they should be better and they should be okay. Or should we pause just because cousins made some plays under pressure and had he not, then we would have said like, oh, the pressure got to Cousins, the line let him down, et cetera, et cetera. I think pause a little bit just because one game is just not a, a, a huge sample size. I think if there was one major concern up front, obviously you already mentioned it with PFF grades on Ed Ingram. I mean, he got, I think in back-to-back drives, uh, he kind of got blown up by Kenny Clark. Now, again, he was facing Kenny Clark in his first ever NFL game at, at starting at right guard. So there's just a lot of nuance and context that to me, as for as much as they did hold up and, and allow Kirk Cousins to, to do what he did, I, I think it just more sample size is, is going to be important to see. I mean, Brian O'Neill, you asked him after the game last night about going up against the the Packers D line and, and their violence. And he said, we're violent too. Like we think we we're committed to being better. You asked him that question. And, and I thought the response was telling now uh, more sample size against teams like Philadelphia in Philadelphia are going to further a- answer whether it's true or not. The um, lowest graded offensive lineman on the Vikings was not Ingram, despite scoring a 30. So you can just do a little calculation in your head about what you know about the Vikings offensive line, figure out who that was and how bad it was Um, uh, a hint right in the middle. Uh, And and that to me continues to be a weakness. Like I I know that Brian O'Neill was very confident when he said that. And I thought Christian Derrissaw played a really good game. The numbers back that up, that he was the highest graded pass blocker on the team. And everything that I saw from Derrissaw this year suggested to me in, in camp that he was ready for this. And he seems very confident. We talked to him yesterday after the game that like his attitude and just like his body language and everything else when you talk to him is a lot different because of all the things he went through last year. But I think this continues to be a weakness on the defensive side. I also look at what Philadelphia did with AJ Brown, and this is where the true proving ground will be for them. That is an elite receiver who they paid a lot for, and they will throw that man the football. And who (laughs) do you have to cover him is the question. Andrew Booth goes down yesterday. You've got Dantzler and, and Peterson, of course, and Sullivan. And these guys, like we're not tested at all because Rogers didn't trust his receivers. 
and and might go to uh, their team and ask for all of the receivers to be cut after yesterday. <laughs> Just as, <laughs> yeah. as frustrated, as upset as he was, that's not going to be the case with Jalen Hurts throwing to A.J. Brown. Well, the first thing, it's funny. You said Sammy Watkins earlier, like maybe in the first five minutes of this podcast, and I was just like, wait, was Sammy Watkins on the field? Like, I I honestly don't remember seeing him, which is reflective, obviously, of of that wide receiving core. Um, And and the first drop was something I'm like, uh, you'll usually see. Maybe for them, you'll see it. But, no, I think the secondary, they will feel the pressure here, and I think it's going to – um, the onus is going to be on the pass rush a little bit against a really, really good offensive line, obviously, that the Eagles have. So it, it'll be a tough test. I thought – I mean, we haven't talked much about what Harrison Smith did, did yesterday, but I, I, I saw some tape and, and obviously was flipping through Twitter and some people highlighting some of his um, kind of rereading Aaron Rodgers' eyes. I think he's just going to be crucial against A.J. Brown, uh, against that the Eagles' passing attack. And – um, I mean, it's, it's a proving opportunity for Jalen Hurts. Um, he's going to have to do it without Jalen Rieger. So that's, that's going to be something that we'll look for. Uh, it's, it's the Jalen Rieger return game. Um, but no, it, it, the defense, it'll be kind of interesting. Cam, Cam Dantzler, I thought, held up well yesterday. But, it, I mean, the package receiving core is what it is. So another test for him. Um, just another probably way to evaluate what this team is and can be. And as we're going over some of the things that stuck out on the D-line, uh, Delvin Tomlinson's performance, the fact that they moved him out to slam into tackles to then create pass rushing lanes, I thought was very creative. Um, there would be no use to doing such things when the Vikings had Everson Griffin there. Uh, you just want him to rush. But with pieces that move around, I thought they were they were uh, clever, maybe outsmarted themselves a little bit with Daniil Hunter over the A-gap. I don't think you need to do that. Just like – let him let him go off of his edge where he's gotten 14 sacks a couple times. But um, I, I, I think that it's like as a, as a goes week to week, it's really going to depend the most on just whether those guys get pressure more than anything. And also like we never talk about Harrison Smith on the show because it's just Harrison Smith. I mean, like he's just Fair. that great. He has been like, he's still Harrison Smith. He has played mind games with Aaron Rodgers for, I don't know how many years, uh, that has kind of been like a one-on-one matchup in itself with Rodgers versus Harrison Smith. So, yeah, it's. I'm glad you brought it up because it's like you're getting new eyes on one of the superstars of the NFL that no one really talks about because he's a pretty quiet guy. Yeah, I was just blown away, really, like watching him live and just like, I mean, he would, seemed to be everywhere. And then some of these clips that I've seen and him like lined up on one side over the tight end, seeing the tight ends blocking, drifting to the opposite side. I'm just like, I mean, again, you guys and, and Vikings fans who, who watch this every year have seen this for a long time. But, um, yeah, it was fascinating. And, and I think the point you made about how much pressure guys like Daniil Hunter and, and Zadarius Smith can create and, and whether they can stay healthy for an extended period, it's, it's a huge, huge um, element to, to, to this team's potential, in my opinion. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins, one of my favorite lines of, of last night, uh, it was Kirk Cousins referenced a, a, a line from another coach that I think said uh, he said like I would do anything in my soul to have two pass rushers or something of of the sort. It was hilarious, um, but I, I think it's going to be important and it'll be an interesting test against a, a running quarterback like Jalen Hurts. I mean, to be able to set the edge, keep him in the pocket, it, it, it it'll be a different test, and I think that's it'll be fun to watch. 
that yeah, no, that's for sure that it's a very different quarterback than uh, Aaron Rodgers and everything like <laughs> yeah. uh, PFF has studied this and found that how your secondary performs is more important than your pass rush, but it's hard to connect the two or disconnect the two right. because everything is, is faster for the quarterback when he knows that rush is coming and there's a psychological element to it. Um, and I think we're clearly going to see that because I it's, it is uh it's a little rickety. I still think. And, and it's like, they're asking Harrison Smith to cover up for it. They're asking Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter to kind of, and Eric Hendricks and, and Jordan Hicks, who deserves credit for playing a great game yesterday. Uh, all of those things kind of have to cover up for, we're not really sure how this is going to go. And we might be talking a little differently about the secondary if Christian Watson catches the 75 yard touchdown. Yeah. Um, so I have one more question and then a little game for you before we wrap. Okay. Up. The question right. is, it's a, it's a oft asked question on this show is uh, how many wins do you think they'll finish with? <laughs> Unbelievable. So one of my buddies asked me this the other day and I, I, I think I said nine. I'll up it to 10 right now. I mean, I think 10. Maybe I should go higher than that, be more optimistic. But, you know, I, I, I just think um, for as, as well as they performed, and I understand, but we, we need to hammer, need to talk about it. It was a really important game, first game of a new regime. It just I, – I guess I come from baseball. I'm so sample size oriented, and there's just not that big of one in the NFL. So I need to probably flip that switch real quick. But I'll, I'll say 10, and, and we'll see what happens. It'll be a – a really good test on Monday night. And, and I mean, we, we didn't really talk special teams. I joked about Jalen Rieger and we didn't talk special teams because it's special teams, but I mean, Greg Joseph um, and what he did, I think that it's going to be an essential piece as well as the, the, the punt return game and, and environments like that. I, I, I think um, if they can corral the three phases and marry them the way they did, uh, they, they could win more than 10, but I'll say 10. And I'm, I'm glad I elongated that answer so much. Revenge game. Anybody? <laughs> yeah. right? Am I right? Um, yeah. Well, so just so we know, like us reporting during camp that Greg Joseph was kicking the ball really well. It didn't jinx him. Just that people were worried about that. It's not <laughs> jinx him. Uh, okay. So here's the game. Now everyone understands that you just moved here. And you're just learning about the team, okay? Yeah, so yeah. Don't, don't feel bad if I'm going to feel horrible. Don't know, but I want to ask you: Have you heard of this guy with the Vikings? Vikings history, and it'll get progressively harder, okay? So okay. we'll see kind of where you're at. Okay. Uh, Randy Moss, you heard of this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what? what like, I'm going to need good some running back. Tell me about Randy Moss. You no. heard of him? Hey, Randy Moss, he's unbelievable. 84, <laughs> come on. Randy Moss, unbelievable. I, I, I think what year was, he was with – I mean, I, we're talking about the Vikings. He was with the Patriots in what, 2008, 2009? I mean, I, I have flashbacks to some of those games. that he, he Randy Moss is amazing. Um, I like him as a commentator as well, but he, he's a really good wide receiver. So, thank you. That good start. Okay, I believe you. I believe you've heard of Randy Moss. Okay. How about okay. Fran Tarkenton? Yeah, quarterback. Georgia, of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, let's let's get a, a little bit harder here. Chris Dolman. I should probably know Chris Dolman. I don't know Chris Dolman. Chris Dolman does have a gold jacket. That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay for the for the first six months on the beat. Uh, I, in fact, 
I have a book that I had the author on who wrote about the whole history of the Vikings. I'll give it to you. Uh, but well, here's the here's the deal. Like, I'm. It's interesting. I was talking to Arif about this the other day. It's like, okay, I'm trying to learn about personnel grouping. I'm trying to learn about yes. current strategy in the NFL with weak zone. I'm trying to learn about match coverage, match zone. I'm trying to learn about three, four defenses and Brandon Staley, Vic Fangio scheme. I'm trying to learn the entire roster, every coach involved, the 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 brass. I mean, there's a lot going on, and I got to do. I got to add history. Got to add it. You know what you sound like here is a guy making excuses is what you sound like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, you go. there, you go. <laughs> there are no excuses in football. That's for baseball. The ball bounced wrong. So you're going to have right. to adjust. Uh, okay. Right. So Chris Dolman is a hall of fame pass rusher who played for the yeah, Vikings I gotta in, know that. Uh, from the eighties the to the nineties, but was um, also played for the Falcons for the 49ers. Unbelievable player of, of the era. One of the greatest of all time edge rushers. How about, uh, so we'll take a step back here. How about Dante Culpepper? Yeah, of course. Quarterback. Yes. Yeah. I, I played with Dante Culpepper on like NFL street or something. Um, I don't know if you're the right age to have had a Dreamcast, but I went and bought one as an adult because the NFL 2K game was so amazing with uh, Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper. How about Tommy Kramer? Is he a lineman? <laughs> no. <laughs> you got to follow Tommy on Twitter. Uh, Tommy Kramer was a quarterback in the 80s for the Vikings and is one of the Please most- don't tag him on that clip or post that clip. Man, that would be, <laughs> it's okay. be You bad. just got here. Everyone understands. I'm just trying to get a, a general. <laughs> yeah. uh, Tommy Kramer is uh, not super well known outside of Minnesota, but as far as uh, former Vikings, one of the most beloved and popular Vikings, uh, especially post-career. Like he has a urinal with the Packers logo on it in his house. Sure. So he's sure. really leaned into that. Why would you not? If you could, why would you not? Okay, I'll give you a couple more. How about Jared Allen? Yeah, of course. Defensive lineman, yeah, stud. Stud player. Fun to watch. I don't know, personality. I was watching uh, – there was a um, Pack, Packers-Vikings, like, throwback game. I tweeted a picture of Brad Childress who was wearing, like, one of those um, – his headset looked like – he was like calling, cold calling somebody for insurance. Nothing against Brad Childers. I have not, but uh, and so I was watching that game. Jared Allen was kind of uh, on fire. So it was fun. Yeah. And uh, also is going into the Vikings ring of honor this year. So maybe there will be an athletic feature at some point about him. All right. One more, one more. Who would be important for you to know from Vikings history? Um, how random do we want to get? If you didn't know Chris Dolman, I don't want to do too much to you. How about. Uh, how about Pat Williams? You know, Pat yeah, Williams? was talking. Yeah, was talking about him last night with uh, John and Arif. We we uh, after the game was we were talking about Pat and Kevin, I believe. So yeah, no, I uh, yeah, rings a bell. Okay, so so it seems like your two thousands Vikings is pretty solid. Yeah, Blair it's Walsh. When you go back Blair farther Walsh. than that, yeah, Blair Walsh. I could get. I mean, Chad Greenway. I know. Uh, we uh, Christian Ponder, uh, Laquan Treadwell. <laughs> we, yeah <laughs> these are human beings who were vikings <laughs> yeah. uh okay last one gary anderson it, it's I, I, like oh you're gonna I, have to learn this one my brother <laughs> no, but no i've heard it like i know and, and if i saw highlights it would be like yeah gary anderson that's i guess a cop out you're probably like come on man there's one particular highlight 
that is very fundamental to how Minnesota Vikings fans view their view their history. Yeah. Not just not just the whole thing, but this this one exists in the blood. Okay. This is inescapable. Gary Anderson in 1998. It's so fun to tell someone about this. Yeah. 1998. <laughs> I can hear everyone screaming like about this. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings went 15 and one. It was Randy Moss's rookie year and Randall Cunningham had uh, this unbelievable season at the time. One of the greatest ever by a quarterback. And they, in the NFC championship game had the ball and all they needed was a field goal to put them up by 10 points. I knew it was going to be kicker new. And Gary Anderson made every kick that season. Not like hyperbolically. I mean, literally. (laughs) And John Madden says on the broadcast, and I was a young tyke watching this, so I recall it quite well. John Madden says, you know, this guy's made every single kick this year, so he's going to put this one right through. And he missed it wide to the left. And uh, they ended up giving up a game-tying drive. They lose in overtime. The Atlanta Falcons go to the Super Bowl instead of the Minnesota Vikings and then just get whooped by John Elway. So they were in their greatest season since the seventies. They were a few feet away from one of the greatest kickers of all time. in Gary Anderson, who had made every single kick and it was uh, 38 yards away or whatever. So yeah, it, it, was random- like a, it was like a chip shot and he missed it. The randomness of football can be cruel and I don't need to tell anybody to hear that, but yeah, it's good to know, but I kind of, I mean, it's kind of not, I mean, it's not a good thing. So I don't know. I mean, every time this, this, so this will be our bit. Every time you come on the show, I'm going to tell you about a different Vikings travesty that you don't know about. <laughs> All right. I'll pre- I, maybe I should prep or is it more fun if I just listen like story time? No, it's, it's way more fun. I'm not saying don't look up any Vikings history, but you'll be busy on the game. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and not only that, but the rabbit hole of this goes so outrageously deep that even if you have heard of some of them, I'll find new ones. So what is uh, cool is it's built a character in people here that you can, yeah, I can ta- tangibly see it. I mean, I, it was interesting. I, uh, I went to a restaurant the other night. There was a Vikings fan. I knew he was wearing a shirt or something sitting next to me. And I asked, like, what do you think about the team this year? And I'm just, like, playing it. I, he didn't know that I now have this job writing about the, And he's like, we'll see, man. We'll see. It was, like, it was like built by years of uh, – I couldn't get anything out of him. But, I, I, I mean, I, he's been through it. He's been through it. He's been through it. Yes. Somebody tweeted me yesterday because I said, oh, this Viking win means whatever. And there was like two minutes left. And somebody tweeted me like, stop it. They could still blow it. And like, okay, okay. Maybe not quite to this level, but I, but I feel you though. I get why you're saying <laughs> yeah. so the, the levels to this go uh, beyond your comprehension. So we'll have story time at the end of every episode uh, that we do in Love the future. Uh, Alec Lewis. Is it just Alec Lewis on Twitter? What's your Alec name? under underscore Lewis underscore with a C, which you have to tell C. everyone. Yeah. Love it. And thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate you guys not just doing an X, making my life way easier, but no built It's built character. It's, it's your thing. Like everybody, everybody right. has their thing. Their, Dane right. is a hilarious golfer. So we call it Mizutani golf. Like everybody's got their thing. <laughs> oh, so, uh, you is a C and not X is your thing right away. So, uh, Alex, great to get to know you enjoying having you on the beat. And, uh, 
we will do this uh, again for sure. Thanks a lot for your time, man. Of course, Matthew. Thanks for having me. It'll be a fun week uh, in Philadelphia. I'm mean, not week, fun night in Philadelphia. Um, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. That was fun.